Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 76, recorded on Thursday, 3rd November 2011. Connecting at the Jam. Kathy Manasan and David Robinson join us to discuss Lotusphere 2012 and Connect 2012, the W3C Social Jam, Rim's new music service, and much, much more. Oh, and Kathy mentioned during the conversation that Abstracts were due by Sunday, 6th November. Since we recorded on Thursday, the deadline for Abstracts has been extended until Friday, 11th November, so plenty more time to get yours in and for Darren to be tempted into submission. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. I'm Stuart McIntyre and we're back for episode 76 of the weekly Lotus Roundtable discussion. Uh, let's kick off uh, once again with Darren Duke. Hello, Darren. Hello, Stuart. You sure it's 76, right? 76. <laughs> Just check them. Yeah, yeah. Very worthwhile doing so. Um, how have you been this week? Everything good? I'm I'm tired. I, I, I'm in a hotel. And I didn't get in until midnight and then I got up at 6am because we had a snafu for time zones. <laughs> so this is good preparation for Lotusphere because I'm on six hours of sleep. Actually, Lotusphere would be three hours of sleep. So I'm just slowly working up to the Lotusphere. Exactly, yeah. Lack of sleep. Still got a month and a half or so of preparation to go. So you can be down to three hours by then. Exactly. Yeah, I've had a similar week. I was off over to the Netherlands just for kind of twenty-four hours, so that was that was a bit of a mad dash and not much sleep either. So uh, the coffee's on. Uh, we should be okay for the podcast, I hope. So we are joined and delighted to be joined too by Kathy Mandelstein of IBN. Hi there, Kathy. Hey, Stuart. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Um, how, how's everything with you? You well? I'm doing well. It's still dark where I am. So yeah, definitely the caffeine. And I've been out on the road quite a bit too myself between IBM events and uh, going and visiting my son on the West Coast in San Diego last week. That was fun. I bet. I bet. Should think it's nice weather over there at the moment. Uh, It's nice here. Glad I'm not on the East Coast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed. (laughs) At least you've got power where you are. That's a start. Exactly. So I guess you've come off of uh, kind of the the schedule for organizing Lola or, or whatever that is this year, the Leadership, Leadership Alliance, Alliance Conference. <laughs> yeah, the Leadership Alliance just wrapped up uh, two weeks ago. Really great event. Uh, that's an event that's for our top customers and partners. And this year we added the IBM champions as well. Yeah, by all accounts, it was an excellent event. Obviously, we can't talk too much about the content, but all the feedback in terms of the event itself and the people that were there seems to have been tremendously um, positive. Absolutely. And so you're now deep into preparation for Lotusphere, I suppose. We are. Uh, both Lotusphere and then a sister event we're going to be running this year called IBM Connect. Okay, so we'll come on to that in a minute or two. So thanks for joining us, Kathy. And we are also joined by David Robinson of IBM. Hi there, David. Hey, good morning, Stuart. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the call. Most people will know uh, Kathy by now, but do you want to tell us what you do for IBM? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm relatively new in, this, in the emerging standards area. And currently, I'm focused on um, social standards because that's a um, very prominent and up-and-coming area for uh, numerous businesses. Okay. And uh, so in the past, I actually was a development engineer and worked in um, product development for IBM. Great. So where are you based? I'm in Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. 
Excellent. And kind of what involvement have you had on, you know, with Lotus or IBM Collaboration Solutions? I mean, I guess you're not part of that business unit as a whole. So, so where do you fit into the organization? That's right. So in IBM, the um, standards organization is a separate organization, and we work with all the product groups, including Lotus, um, helping um, take our message out to the standards groups to make sure that um, standards are developed appropriately for our customers. And we also um, work with our product groups to um, let them know what standards are, are occurring in the market that are important for IBM to implement in our products. So it's a two-way conversation that we have with each of our product groups, and uh, Lotus is very involved um, and active in those those areas. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the real strengths of the Lotus portfolio in terms of some of those open standards support and also how you you know open your own standards for other people to, to work with. So it's great to have you on the call today. Thank you, David. Yeah, thank you. So we're going to kick off, um, as ever, with a discussion um, you know, between all the people on the panel. Um, first of all, we're going to start with Lotusphere 2012, which is just about 75 days away, I think, something like that. Um, Kathy, do you want to kick us off? What, what are the dates for Lotusphere this time? So Lotusphere this year is January 15th through the 19th, so second week in January, so not that far away. And uh, our call for papers is actually running right now and ends this Saturday. So one of, one of the things as we talk through this, I really want to encourage um, all of our many friends and partners and customers to uh, get your abstracts in. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in the broadest terms, Lotusphere is kind of the same as it's always been, I guess. It's at the Disney Dolphin and Swan Hotel in Orlando. Uh, are there any substantial changes in terms of, of, of the organization or is it you know back for the party as, as we have done every year? Uh, so Lotusphere will be very much like the Lotusphere attendees have come to know and love. I think the biggest difference you'll see this year compared to last year is really um, taking Lotusphere back to being very focused on kind of the, the how-to, the really understanding the products, the in-depth looking at, you know, what we have to offer in the portfolio. And then we've added a, another event and pulled out some of the content we'd included last year that was more uh, focused on for business leaders into a separate event that uh, is IBM Connect. And that event will be running on Monday and Tuesday and in, in, into Wednesday midday at the conference. So is, is Connect the equivalent of what the Social Business Symposium was last year? And I think there was one the previous year, but I can't recall the name. Uh, no, it is. It really isn't. So um, that was really industry focused and was aimed uh, by you know each industry uh, a little higher level. What we're trying to do with Connect is take all the good content for people really more on the line of business side who may not be as you know interested in the feeds and speeds and you know how to do things with their products to help them really understand the business value of social, mobile, and cloud cloud technologies, and um, you know what are the business challenges they're trying to solve using these technologies, really sharing some good customer examples and how other people are doing it. And it's really for all levels of the business. Whereas in the past, uh, SBIS, and then I believe, I forget what we called it the year before, was really aimed much um, higher in the organization. This is really for all people on the business side. Those people, you know, who who aren't administrators, who aren't developers, who aren't coders, who are really wanting to understand the business values of social business in their company. You know, they're seeing it in the consumer space. They're hearing a lot about it. This is a place they can come and really understand. You know, what is the value for their business? How can they get started and uh, learn from others? And to come see me sing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, and I mean, and that's a really interesting distinction, isn't it? So um, 
I guess Lotusfield is kind of, again, a little bit going back to its roots in terms of being a much more technical conference this year, which I'm sure will please a lot of people, particularly on the, the Notes and Domino and, and X pages side. Um, will, will Lotusfield still have a lot of content around you know social business as well? So, you know, IBM Connections and so on, but just technical focus? Yeah, so um, last year was kind of the what I'd say the coming out party for social business for IBM. Yeah. This year, social business has really become mainstream, and you know, we're not the only people out there with a voice in the industry. And we'll talk a little bit about the jam in a few minutes. But you know, social business has become mainstream, so definitely social business will be you know throughout the conference. One of the drivers across you know much of what we talk about for our whole, whole portfolio, um, social is really impacting the way people collaborate. You know, whether that's from their inbox, on the web, all the places that they might work, social is impacting the way people work. And, and so every, every year we kind of have a theme. Um, last year was the changing of the presentations on the presenters. <laughs> the previous year, I think, was one year was the balls, which that was uh, last that, year. Okay, that was last year. And Val said the spheres are back, and it certainly made sense to me. It only took me a year to get what the theme was. So sorry about that. I'm just a bit slow. So do we have a, a, a kind of a, a running theme for this year, Kat? So the theme this year is business made social. So kind of back to what, you know, as far as social being infused in the way people work. Sounds good. Sounds good. And I'm, I'm liking all the theming for this year in terms of the website. The branding all seems very fresh. And, and actually, there's been some pretty major changes to the Lotosphere.com site, hasn't there? I know that's just to redirect a redirect to a part of the IBM web, but it seems like a lot of the, the forms and the, um, and the layout of the site has really changed from last year. Uh, we're really working to make it, as far as usability, much better, and then also integrating social elements into the conference site itself, you know, practicing what we preach. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And, and look, looking at it, the costs, I think, are pretty much the same as previous years um, in that it's uh, the full price is uh, just under uh, $2,500. There's discounts for early bird, which goes until December the 2nd, I think, which is just under $2,000. So price is very similar to previous years. Something that's not on the site yet, Kat, and maybe you can uh, sort of feed us in, is in terms of the cost for attending Connect. Is Do, do you have to have a pass for Lotus Hill or is there a different charge for that? Uh, there's a different charge for that. It'll be $9.95. Uh, and the Lotosphere attendees can attend sessions at Connect. Uh, there's some special events for Connect that Lotosphere attendees won't attend. But as far as sessions, they can attend as well. So if you pay for Lotosphere, you can go to sessions in both conferences. Uh, Connect will be $9.95 to attend. And then we're also offering uh, one-day passes for Lotosphere this year as well, too. I think we have started that last year. And that one-day pass is uh, just under $2,000. And, and a question. So so I actually wanted to t- attend some of the social business stuff uh, last year, but it was in the Yachton Beach, which for me is a long walk because I live in Atlanta and we drive everywhere. <laughs> um, you need a golf cart. <laughs> we need to get a Disney bush just to go between the yacht and the swan and dolphin. Um, so Did you is- see Liz Albert in her uh, razor? We could get you a razor this year. Liz Albert had a razor that was pimped out with Ascendant Technologies and she had swag she was throwing out as she went along. <laughs> How many people did she run over? <laughs> I don't know. I'm surprised the Disney police didn't arrest her, actually. <laughs> I thought um, it was brilliant. I thought we should rent those or something. There's another uh, sponsorship idea. <laughs> that is a good idea, actually. I like that. Hmm. 
I might have to just. I'll. I'll. I might. I might start a new business. I'll, I'll buy one and I'll. I'll charge you five dollars to drive you backwards and forwards. I'll make a fortune <laughs> at kicking out time at kimonos. That's that's like a good plan. And then all I need to do, Stuart, is get a kebab shop on the corner as well. I'm gonna make a bigger killing. <laughs> I think you were going to ask where is Connect taking place, Darren. That was that, that was the original question. Yes. So no, I'm thinking we're, about. Yeah, we're trying to put Connect into the Swan. Uh, we may end up doing some things at the Yacht and Beach Club. We're still trying to lay out space, and it'll have a lot to do with you know what the content ends up being in the end once we have all the abstracts in and we see you know do we need to add more sessions that type of thing. But the goal is to put uh, most of Lotusphere over at the Dolphin most of the week, and then on those days that Connect's going on, it would be over at the Swan. So um, we're used to Lotusphere being kind of in the 5,000 to 7,000 kind of region of attendance. It's never uh, particularly clear, um, but in that kind of zone. Uh, what kind of percentage would you expect to come to Connect? I mean, you know, if you've got 1,000 people there, would you be be pleased with that in terms of it being that very business-focused audience? What are your sort of targets for the event? Yeah, we, we'd be thrilled with 1,000. We're really thinking in the hundreds for the first year for Connect. Okay. But but it's it's set to be a sort of permanent place on the Lotusphere agenda. You you think that that that's going to be a, a popular conference as we move forward, particularly with the social business message and getting more business folks involved in the whole collaboration and social space. Absolutely, and and we heard loud and clear last year from our, our our loyal alumni coming back that you know they wanted to hear the more the technical content, the how to. So we really wanted to put the business content where the business people. Uh, we'll have full access to it and enjoy it and have Lotusphere really be the conference you all have come to know and love. And, and I actually think it's a very good idea. I think I think Connect and whatever it was called in its previous iterations, even if it weren't the same, I think that was for the people who determine the direction. And I think the Lotusphere technical sessions are for, for people that they say, go make it happen. Exactly. And, and, and I think that's a good separation of church and state as far as that goes. I think it's a great name as well. You know, we were talking a lot uh, a year or so ago about the future of the name and branding and all that kind of thing. I think it's great that Lotusphere is staying. You know, there's such a familiarity and a kind of liking for that name and the brand. But, you know, Connect is a really fresh name. It's, it's short. It fits with Impact and the other IBM conferences. I think you've done a good job on that. Great. Thank you. We appreciate it. And then, um, you know, looking kind of uh, further afield back to kind of the, the, the general Lotus Conference, um, a big thing of last year really was a real focus on social media, uh, Kathy. And, you know, we had the social aggregator for the first time. We had some live streaming of content. Is, is all that going to be back for 2012? So uh, social media aggregator is already up. So those of you that um, blog, I would encourage you to go register your blog so it feeds into the social media aggregator. We will be live streaming. Um, we're hoping to capture even more content than we did last year and do some interesting things that we actually kicked off at the Leadership Alliance, uh, like conversations with industry innovators where we talk to people, not just IBMers, <laughs> out from the industry about kind of what are their opinions on where social business is going. So we'll be taping some of those and broadcasting those as well, too. Uh, but we really do, last year was the first year for live streaming, really do want to leverage that and get that content out there both live and then available after the conference in the digital library. And if you want to save yourself some problems, just, just repoint the Lotus for your social aggregator to Stuart's blog. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, there's so much more content on the aggregator, not just my stuff. But good point. Um, and and um, yeah, I think that's great that the the streaming content was so popular last year. You know, I had a lot of feedback from people who were following from far afield. And and whilst we've done things like live blogs in the past and lots of tweeting, I think it's great they can actually watch it live and and see the things that are being announced in the OGS. That's super. Great. And we'll be doing even more from the social media space, too, as far as tweet ups and uh, social areas throughout the conference with people that can you know, help people who are not yet on all the social media and like all of us <laughs> get started and you know, with boards up kind of showing what's going on on social media throughout the conference as well, too. So you can stop by and see it there. Okay. So uh, let's talk about abstracts for a second. Um, okay. Obviously... We know how to put the abstracts in for Lordosphere. It's, it's, it's well, you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you, I, you guys I do. do. <laughs> but for other people who may not have submitted before, uh, yeah, there is an outline there telling you what tracks you can submit to. The one thing I will mention is you can submit. It's one process for submitting to both events. So your abstract can, can be, be considered for both Lotusphere and Connect. And uh, does IBM your, decide that? Yeah, uh, IBM, The uh, we have a... Uh, committee of IBMers for each of the product areas and on connect from business leadership across the company that will review all the abstracts and go through and make those decisions. Okay, Obviously, so it's lucky I'm not putting an abstract in there. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a question I had actually, Kathy, because um, I'm putting forward a, a session with uh, an analyst and it's really mm -hmm. hard to work out, is it best practices? Is it connect? You know, and, and because it's the first time for connect, we don't really know what the kind of vibe of the conference is going to be like. So it's really hard to know which one to put it in for. But what you're saying is that somebody will review that and, and make a decision if it, if it's better sat in connect, then you'll move it in that place. Right. And that is the one track that I would imagine there is a little overlap on the best practices. Cause that is the one track we will still have in Lotusphere that is business you know, centric that both those who are implementing and those who uh, are really decision makers care about. So some of that content, there will be a, you know, a little more synergy where we might put it in one or the other. Um, I would also encourage, and as far as including customer stories and you mentioned an analyst, that's great too. Uh, you know, customer stories, how to, those type of things are going to be uh, much higher in priority than just general sessions about, you know, a, a product or how products are integrated. Okay, it sounds good. And um, there's a little bit of confusion, Kathy. Perhaps you can kind of smooth it over in terms of how many speakers you can have per session. In previous years, we've been able to have two or three speakers, if that's the right thing for the session. This year on the site, it seems to be a little bit more difficult to add those additional speakers. You are still welcoming abstracts from multiple people? Yeah, absolutely. We're welcoming the abstracts. Um, I believe as far as the number of conference passes that that may have changed a bit. Um, Sandra would have to comment on that for sure, and I can get back to you. But um, the, the primary speaker definitely has a conference pass. I think we've gone in line with some of the other IBM conferences as far as um, for multiple speakers that there's a, a lower rate but not a free pass. If, you know, there's four people as speakers, not all four people get complimentary speaker passes. Okay. Four? <laughs> you have to squeeze to get on the stage, wouldn't you? <laughs> for a panel. <laughs> maybe maybe oh okay okay that makes a bit more sense yeah as i say wow 15 minutes a piece and then actually 50 <laughs> minutes divided by four that's not a lot of talking time i couldn't share the stage no i, I don't think so it, it has happened before not so much maybe at lotusphere but some of the other conferences do 
have panels, but uh, the IBM standards kind of been, yeah, the, the primary speaker definitely uh, gets a speaker's pass and then we kind of work from there and we do try to find, you know, uh, opportunities for the other speaker to participate in some way so that they, they get a good rate for attending as well, too. And, and we have had panels at Lotus Fear, but if memory serves yeah. right, it didn't turn out quite well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if we if we quickly move on to the questions that I, I'm told I have to ask, Kathy, uh, guest speaker, you can tell us, can't you? Just an exclusive. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> and the party? Nope. <laughs> That's all a surprise. That's part of the mystery of Lotusphere. Oh, so do you think so you'll what, keep what? it a surprise all the way until the event this year? Or do you think you might give us a little clue maybe a week or two before? The party, you may get a little more details as we get closer. The guest speaker, that's a long-held Lotus Sphere tradition, so you guys will have to guess all the way up to the conference. And uh, I believe somebody's sponsoring guessing the right uh, the guest speaker again this year, too. So, so Kathy, do you want to do our first guess? Sure, go ahead. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, and it's always interesting because it always kind of somehow links back to the theme of the conference in a somewhat indirect way. And, you know, now it's starting to become, uh, we know what the theme is. I think you're going to start to see a thick and fast uh, Twitter stream of, of guesses. And I haven't put enough thought into it yet to come up with mine. Um, but I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like the guy from Zappos or something like that. The thing is, you've had Shatner now, haven't we? So the kind of default fallback position was always William Shatner, and and now you've had him. <laughs> and, and we don't repeat ourselves, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tremendous! Well, it's great that you know, seventy-five days away, we've still got, you know got a lot of more information coming on the website. Abstracts are open and you know seem to close. So it feels like we're kind of really revving up for the conference now, and it sounds as if everything's in full swing in the organization organization side of things as well. Absolutely. It's uh, very, very busy over on our side. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Terrific. Well, thank you for that, Cathy. And, um, and David, let, let's move on to you. Uh, you know, we, we've spoken an awful lot about social business uh, with Cathy. You know, we know how, how big IBM is into the whole social business area. Um, you obviously come at it from an open standards point of view. Um, so perhaps we can start off with, you know, why does social business need open standards? What's the reason why standards are so important in the social business sphere? Um, yeah, Stuart, that's a great question. So um, most of us have never had the opportunity to go into a greenfield area. There's already products installed that, are, that our businesses are working with and uh, are using. And what standards help do is they help the integration phase of that. Um, if, if every product implemented security differently or implemented their user interface differently, then trying to take, make those products work together would be very difficult. So open standards really helps um, you know, businesses purchase products that can integrate easily into their environment, um, into their heterogeneous environments. And then the other thing is um, if we always spend our time reinventing the wheel, reinvite, uh, rewriting the security code or rewriting how user interface works, um, it wouldn't leave a lot of time for developers to, to move on and do, I call them more innovative things or more interesting things. And so open standards really allows um, developers to apply the standards where they're important and then focus on things that really wow our customers, uh, you know, and, and solve their business problems. That makes sense. And, and you know, if, if, if a customer decides that, that social business is something they want to do, they're already kind of doing lots of collaboration and, and they're seeing their future being uh, much more collaboration via social methods. Um, you know, what, why, why should they use open standards and what, what, what are the benefits of doing that? 
Well, um, there's, there's a lot of benefits. They've done a lot of studies, and it showed um, for businesses, and their actual total cost of ownership is lower with products that are implementing standards. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one, a primary reason is vendor lock-in. Obviously, if you have a proprietary solution in your business um, and you're relying on that on your daily on a daily basis, it's very difficult to uh, bring in a different product that, and try to replace that. If, for example, if your maintenance costs or maintenance fees go up after it's already installed, if you if you make a wise choice and pick uh, products that are implementing standards, then your choices as a as a business become. Um, much broader, and it's easier for you to um, maneuver between different uh, vendor choices. And, and the other thing is when the industry, the software industry as a whole, develops new products, they don't start themselves from a greenfield. They, they start with um, the base of technology that's there, and typically that means they're starting from well-recognized standards and moving forward. <clears throat> so if your business is leveraging standards um, in the products that you purchase and install, uh, chances are you're much better positioned for future releases of products so that they, you can upgrade or integrate um, as new technologies come out. So can, can you give us a couple of examples of, of what the standards, quote-unquote, would be? Because I think the, the word social business is a bit confusing to the general public, and I think standards on top of that become a bit more confusing. So are we talking about things like um, activity streams, CMIS, or whatever that acronym is these days? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. So you actually did name two two of the standards that are out there, and, and really, as a developer, you know, we want to get down to the um, brass tacks. So we don't want to stay with the high level definitions of what social business means. So let me uh, just take a couple of them. Um, you mentioned activity streams, which is an excellent one. So activity streams um, is a way of viewing um, information um, in a very intuitive way. And the idea behind activity streams is that the data is formatted in a particular way so that that data can be shared among different applications. So um, activity streams is a, a key um, technology that's used um, for uh, social standards. And in fact, if you're familiar with the Open Social Foundation, um, activity streams is one of the technologies that they point to in their, um, in their reference documentation as a, as a key standard. Um, another security standard that's uh, frequently pointed to is, is called OAuth2, Open Authorization2. Um, that is a way that um, different social products can uh, integrate and exchange information securely. Um, so there, there's a security standard. Um, you mentioned CMIS, which is a document uh, standard for how to share and manage documents. Um, that's a technology that's being used and is considered a social standard. And so as you can see, um, when we say social standards, we're not necessarily talking about brand new, uh, different uh, type of standards, but we're actually talking about um, using standards that are in the ecosystem to achieve social business goals. So that's a great question. And, I, and to kind of link back to the, the Lotosphere conversation, I think attendees of Lotosphere is, are going to see a, a lot of OAuth integration with the different products on the Lotus stack. Yes. Hint, so, hint, hint, cough, cough. And that's that's a very good cue. So um, I've been working quite a bit with Lotus, and they are a leader um, in in implementing OAuth solutions uh, and across their portfolio. So I I won't steal their thunder from the uh, the conference, but I can tell you that um, as a key integration technology, Lotus has been very active um, in implementing OAuth solutions. And Darren, you know, you work with a, an awful lot of customers, uh, social business, a collaboration too. Do you think? 
customers and, and organizations understand the benefits of open standards do you think it's a you know a key factor in them uh, you know determining one solution over another or do you think it's still a little bit kind of esoteric for some of their bu- uh, business decisions they make I think they're jaded by, by the fact that everybody touts that they use open standards, but the majority of companies, hint, hint, cough, cough, Microsoft, take perfectly good standards and kind of break them just enough that other people can't connect to them. So I think when, when, when customers hear open standards heterogeneous, they instantly kind of back up the truckload of salt and, and pour that over the conversation. One of the places I think you can overcome that is is, is specifically is open off off uh, because everyone's always looking for the nirvana of, of one password to rule them all and while off isn't necessarily that nor will it ever be i think it is a leader into the conversation of okay i've logged in once my credentials are trusted across all of these different networks and i think that's maybe the in to the enterprise because they spend an awful lot of time and an awful lot of money managing passwords yeah, Darren, that's a good point. And in fact, if you um, follow the OAuth standard at all, Microsoft has actually been an active participant in developing the base standard. Um, so it, it certainly points in the direction that even Microsoft in this case um, is going to be leveraging the OAuth standard. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kathy, yeah, I know you do a lot of stuff with kind of the Consumer Web and, and Social Media Club. I know you, you have a big part in um, – I guess what we're seeing here is convergence, really, isn't it, between the consumer web and some of the social tools we use outside work with, with some of the um, you know very business focused tools like IBM Connections inside the firewall. Do you think um, you know that that's a, a thing that we're going to just going to see more of in the next few years? Those those different kind of networks coming together, and therefore open standards is a really big part of that. Absolutely. I mean, if you go back to the the mid '90s and what happened with the internet, we kind of see you know history repeating itself on everybody kind of doing their own thing the first few years, then the industry coming together and really setting standards. And for business, that's critically important for consumers. You know, people's taste change. You know, <laughs> things like MySpace come and go. Uh, but on the business side, people don't want to invest in social tools that are going to you know change drastically or go away in a year or two. They really want tools they can build on and integrate into their organization. So that's going to be critical to have standards so that you really can integrate what you have across your enterprise. And Stuart, your question also hints at the concept of uh, consumerization of IT. Um, you know, Each of us has a mobile device, I'm sure, and probably all of us want to take that device and use it for both personal and work purposes. And that has implications for the um, technology that businesses use as well to to connect their employees with, you know, for business purposes as well as how employees are connecting in their private lives. So, Stuart, how many mobile devices do you have (laughs) right now? (laughs) Not sure I've got enough fingers on my two hands to count them, but yeah, a good number. And can they talk? Yeah, and can they talk to each other? (laughs) (laughs) Well, all the Apple ones can. I'm not sure about the rest. And and that yeah, this this conversation brings us on to something that's happening. I think next week is it, David? Which is the W three C Jam. Do you want to talk us, um, tell us about W three C and and kind of what IBM's involvement is in that? Yeah, I'm actually very excited about that, Stuart. Um, so we kind of reached a point in the social standard space where we have a lot of like you, you mentioned several of them earlier, CMIS and Activity Streams. We have OAuth, and, and there's more. 
Um, but if you look at how each of these standards evolved, um, they kind of involved, evolved separately as um, technology companies had problems, they would sit down and they would kind of point solve a, a problem. And most of these standards were also solved in the consumer space. So we're familiar with the social networks that we, we use, um, you know, connect with our friends. Well, that's where a lot of these standards were developed. So if you take a step back as a business and say, well, will these standards that were developed for the consumer space work in my business? And will they work together to you know, effectively allow me to, to um, you know, conduct business? Well, that, that starts to you know, make you think a lot harder. And so what the W3C did was they said, well, it, it looks like it's time. It looks like the industry's um, in its formative stages, the social business space. And we need to um, maybe have a conversation about where we are with all of these standards um, and whether they are really solving um, or appropriate for the business problems that we need to solve. So the W3C um, has decided to have a conversation. It's, it's worldwide, it's online, and they've invited a lot of experts in the social business area to have this conversation with anybody who wants to participate. And the idea is to start at the business level, to have a business level conversation about um, the successes and the challenges that businesses are having as they take social technology and try to solve their business problems. Um, but at the same time they're having a business conversation, uh, they want technologists involved, developers, um, so that we can hear the use cases uh, directly from the leaders uh, and the, the thought uh, leaders and, um, and then be able to take that information and apply it to get uh, better standards. Um, you know, for the business world. So that's the that's kind of the general thought about what the W3C is doing. Um, we're having an online, uh, it's called a jam, which is nothing more than like an online discussion. Um, they have a pretty strong lineup of, of participants. Uh, they have, I think, 13 different um, special guests, which include everybody from uh, professors at MIT who specialize in social business to um, Tim Berners-Lee, who's actually considered the father of the World Wide Web. Uh, and the cool thing about that is, is a, as a participant, you can actually interact with these people online. You can ask them your questions. Uh, you can hear what they have to say and where they think social business and social standards are going. And uh, as well, so not only do they have these special guests who will be appearing for about an hour at different times throughout the event, but they also have um, hosts, and each of these hosts is an expert in their particular area in social business. And um, the hosts will be in the, the conversation uh, for much longer periods of time, giving all the participants an opportunity to discuss and dialogue whatever um, topic happens to be on their mind. So if you're a developer um, and you have questions about some of the things that we've talked about here, uh, it's an opportunity to ask your questions to some of these experts and get their responses. And if you are a business person, it's an opportunity to either you know talk about um, your success or if you're having challenges um, in applying social business to a particular area or you want to know if it's possible to do something, it's another opportunity to um, to explore that with these experts. Um, and, and, and I think it's worth 
everyone getting involved in this because if you just take a conversation you would have had 20 years ago with someone who 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 runs a business or owns a business and says and, and you would have said to them hey there's this new thing out there called the internet you can now put a page up there that static text that describes your business i think everyone would have went meh exactly <laughs> we had banks tell us that that they'd never put yeah. their bank online that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, and then twenty so, years later, the, the 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 thing that was a static page has now morphed into this behemoth, and and I think it's worth seeing what others are trying to do, so you can get an idea of what you need to do in the next you know year to three years. Yeah, and Darren, that's so. There's two good points there. So first of all, that a lot of the technology for us being able to put a web page up comes from the W3C. Mm -hmm. So they're a very reputable um, and they, they, they've developed some key standards in the past that have changed all of our lives. And, um, and then the, the other part of that is when you get a large international group of people together, you have ideas pop out that you never would have thought of. So you, you get that vision, just like you said, that you might not get by yourself. And the other thing is uh, IBM's held an awful lot of these jams, haven't you, over the last uh, two to three years? And they've been very, very popular, but always had a sort of IBM bias, as you would expect. And and this one is it's very much an open jam, isn't it? Everybody um, you know, within the social business world is, is taking part as some key people from Jive and IBM and many of the other vendors besides. And so I think that's a really big step forward that people are being you know willing to, to open themselves up, get involved in the discussion, be very kind of um, independent of, of the different vendors' uh, kind of bias. And I think that's can be terrific to have that conversation. I, I think so too. And of course, that's essential for the world of standards. You know, a standard developed by one company is not a standard. And, and so um, it's healthy in a standards area to have um, your competitors come and participate in those conversations with you. Great. And, and I think there's a, a set of topics that are going to be discussed. Um, David, do you want to run through what those are? Yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, in the, the cool thing was, is these topics were actually voted on by participants who joined early. So these were the topics that people that were signing up early were interested in talking about. We have a topic called uh, identity management for social. Um, that's going to be talking about, um, you know, how your identity program in your company um, works with social technology, especially, especially as you try to integrate with um, perhaps people outside the firewall. Um, we have a topic on mobile and social, and we were just laughing about the number of mobile devices Darren has. Um, so certainly how technology plays in the mobile space is a, a key topic. Um, we have a topic called information management, which also could be called attention management. Um, all of us are overwhelmed by the amount of social data. You know, just, a Twitter, just the Twitter feeds that we follow alone can easily overwhelm us. So that's a conversation um, on how to manage that information. Um, and and there, there's, there, there, just straight to jump in, but there, there is my, that's my personal favorite, is how do we stop this absolute stream of nonstop stuff? How do we stop the activity stream becoming a river of drivel? Yes, and the most, and so I'm, I'm actually really excited. We have a guy from Ford Motor Company who's trying to, to solve that exact problem in his company. Um, and he's, uh, he's, very active in activity stream technology. So um, it'd be interesting to, to um, you know, log in just to hear what he's going to say, um, hear his thoughts. Um, and there's, a, you know, there's so in any one of these topics, you could spend quite a bit of time, which we plan to do next week, um, exploring all the different angles and ways that you might succeed in, for example, simplifying your activity stream uh, of data. 
Um, three, three, three other topics. Um, you have one called business process meets social. And if you think about um, you know, typical business processes, when you apply social technology to them, they change. Um, you know, obviously, an informal communication with a coworker changes the process. So that's going to be a fascinating conversation. Um, we have seamless integration of social. Uh, you know, studies have proven that people want their social technologies built into the um, applications that they use on a regular basis. Uh, and so that's where um, they're going to talk about that. And then finally, um, we have a topic of metrics. And, of course, the, the joke here is we don't calculate an ROI on our telephones. So what are the appropriate metrics to use for social business? Um, or, or are there? You know, so anyway, that's, that is going to prove to be a very interesting conversation as well. And Lisa told me a good one a couple of weeks ago. I think she got it from somewhere, so I apologize for not crediting the person with the correct comment. But she said, try working out the ROI on your parents. <laughs> yeah. So... Always a challenge. Um, and so it sounds as, as though this is going to be quite a high-level conversation. I'm guessing it's not going to get too technical. Well, um, so we don't know where it's going to go. And that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, we would like to keep it in an architecture above level. And the reason why is we have we actually have a very diverse um, group of people. We actually have people who've signed up uh, as executives. Um, and we have a lot of management uh, folks coming a lot of line of business. So there's over 19 um, industries represented. Um, so there's a huge body of knowledge coming from the business world. Uh, we certainly could, you know, start to dive down into technical details and angle brackets, but um, we want to have a conversation and learn from these business folks uh, and then take that information away later and apply that to a more technical, at a more technical level. Requirements gathering. <laughs> And it is a who's who. I mean, you look at the list, you know, Charlie Hill, IBM's own uh, CTO. You've got people from VMware. Like you said, you've got the, you got the Ford guys. Uh, you got people from Gartner. Um, so it really is a kind of a who's who of the technology industry stepping up here. Jive is even one. Open ID, which is a big one as well. Yes. And in fact, a lot of the people talking are the movers and shakers on some of these key standards. So, for example, the VMware person is one of the main drivers of the activity stream standard. Um, so yes, we have a pretty neat set of folks coming to talk with us. And I, I've, I've had the pleasure of seeing Angel Diaz speak from IBM, so he's, he's one you should tune into because he kind of puts it back into context for the guys and girls coming from the IBM ICS side. Yes, yeah, he's a VIP um, for us. In fact, about- I was going to say, in fact, there's a great video of Angel out there uh, talking about the jam. So if you go out, uh, you can hear more from Angel himself on his thoughts on the jam. Yeah, Angel's out on YouTube. So if you surf out and uh, search for W3C Social Business Jam, uh, I think you'll find Angel's video. And, and I think the website is a website designed by programmers and not web developers. The first thing I thought was, wow, this looks like something I would design, which just text all the way down. It's useful content. That's the positive way to look it at is. it. It is, yes. It looks, it's very good, yeah. And is it going to be recorded? Uh, no. So the, the discussion, well, this, here, yeah, so, okay. So the discussion is not a, um, there's no voice and there's no video. It's actually a text-based um, discussion. And so, yes, the conversations are recorded and uh, those are available. So the raw um, discussions are available to anybody who participates after the jam. Um, plus, 
in the background, while the discussions are taking place, um, IBM is running analytics because um, we're using the, the JAM technology is actually based on um, IBM technology. And we're running analytics in the background that are helping distill the conversations into valuable facts. Um, and so that all that information will be packaged up and available after the jam to participants. Uh, the W3C is going to be making that available. And they're also going to, um, so obviously we don't want to just have a conversation next week and then stop. Um, so what the W3C plans to do is take all the information and findings from the jam and kind of place that information into a community group, which is a new process the W3C has. It's very lightweight. Uh, it's free to participate. Um, and they want to encourage people to participate in the conversation on social business by coming into the community group after the jam and kind of digesting what, what did we just learn? Uh, what do we need to do? Are there any standards that need beefing up? Are there gaps in the standards? Um, you know, like for, for future things that we need to look at and things like that. And looking at some of the titles, I, I do love the titles I hear. It's like Tim Berners-Lee, his title is Inventor of the Web. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you? I wish I had that title. <laughs> That's pretty profound. Yeah, these, these are uh, self-described uh, titles. So I enjoyed um, looking at the way people describe themselves. It's great. And I think, I think it's really cool they're using IBM technology to run it as well. I don't know whether that's mentioned on the site, but I think that's a you know, sort of real kudos for IBM's leadership in terms of putting together these jam type events. Well, it is. And in fact, if you look at the social technology involved just in the jam, uh, it's very impressive. Um, there's a lot of technology, social technology that goes into a jam. Um, on purpose, you know, IBM is a leader in this uh, event, but we are very much on purpose want this to be an industry event because that helps our customers ultimately with solid standards. Um, so we're trying to, you know, keep a low profile as far as tooting our own horn because we want to make sure that all participants are comfortable. Okay, that's great. And how do people get involved in in the social business jam? Um, all you have to do is go out to the W3C website, w3c.org. And if you look at their events, upcoming events calendar, you will see the W3C Social Business Jam. You click on that, and it'll send you to the web page you're just poking fun at. And right off of that, right, right off of that website, there's a registration link. And if it takes you more than you know a minute or two to register, I'd be surprised. It's very straightforward. That's great. I thought, well, thank you for telling us about it, David. I, I, I certainly wasn't aware this was taking place next week. Uh, I think it's a really good uh, initiative by W3C, and uh, I hope people do get involved. I think there's, there's something for all of us to gain by being involved in that kind of discussion. Yeah, thanks. And I actually appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you all about it. That's great. And um, okay, we'll, we'll carry on through our topics list for the week. It's it's quite short from this point on. Um, Darren, we've been fairly critical of, of good old folks at RIM and BlackBerry over the last and back, and back 12 we months. Me. <laughs> <laughs> You've been leading the way. But um, I, I think we've all kind of seen them go through some issues over the last year or so. They made a big announcement this uh, week uh, about their BBM music uh, announcement. So basically, they're going to have streaming uh, music or that you can choose from a whole library of music, download it onto your phone, have that with you wherever you go. Did you uh, get a chance to have a look into this? If a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does it really matter? <laughs> um, you know, Rim, this time in two years, that they are not going to be the company that they are today. Now, I do think their maybe saving grace is that the fact 
that at least outside of the US, BlackBerry Instant Messenger is huge for the sub, what, 21-year-olds, I guess. I don't know what the age would be now because I'm getting old, so I have no idea how old someone looks anymore. Um, <laughs> but the fact that you can instant message with people and not be charged a, a SMS text fee, I think it's huge outside of the US where, unfortunately, there is still some pay-as-you-go kind of issues outside the US. So that might be, it might be worth them trying this. But, I mean, 50 songs for, for five bucks a month, it, it sounds like a pretty good deal, as, as long as it's not stuff like, you know, things that make you go oom or <laughs> that, that kind of, right? I'd buy that, but I'm sure an 18-year-old wouldn't. You know, Technotronic, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's, it's a swing, but it may well be yet another miss by the folks at Rim, unfortunately for them. Do you, do you think it's a? Can I ask a question? Do you think it's an opportunity, uh, chance, or an effort to try to make themselves uh, more consumer focused as opposed to business? Or? Well, I think they've been doing that with. If you look at their long line of purchases over the last three years, they have been been really, really trying to make themselves cool. Except, they don't have cool phones, which is really. The deciding factor for coolness these days is is how new and flashy and shiny your phone is. No one really gives a rat's ass about the service, which is kind of what Android has proved. Um, and and I think Rim Rim have been trying to morph into a consumer business because it, as as with all things, the grass is green on either side of a fence. Rim wanted to get in the consumer market because they already had the enterprise market. Apple and Google wanted to get in the enterprise market because they already had the consumer market. So both markets are saturated. And I think Rim has been struggling with their purchases to integrate them. And unfortunately, I think you're going to kind of see them do a bit of a Google here and that's buy companies and kill them because they really have no idea what to do with them. Stuart, what do you think? Well, I hope they don't do that because actually I'm a great fan of Gist and Tungle and some of the other ones they bought. So I hope they don't just kill them off. Particularly the Tungle service is, is tremendously useful. It would be sad if that went the way of some of the other uh, acquisitions they've made. Um, I I just don't get RIM at all in so many ways in that you see, so, particularly in the UK, you see so many teenagers with BlackBerry devices. And, you know, my 14-year-old carries a bold as his device. And I, I, I kind of don't get it at all. I don't get why they're so popular. And, and the only thing I can think of is that actually BlackBerry Messenger is mm-hmm. a tremendous tool for them to use. And also the, um, yeah, the, the number of texts they send, actually having a physical keyboard is still a big pro for them. Um, and so BlackBerry Music, you can kind of see fit into this. And, and the other thing I think is that they've been really shrewd with how they built this music service um, in, in that, you know, whilst 50 songs for $5 doesn't sound great, uh, that, you know, basically you can share your friend's songs. So if you have a network of 50 people, all of whom have 50 songs, you know, we're up to two and a half thousand songs and you get to follow each other's music preferences and kind of talk about the music and that. So I think that could be a really shrewd move for them. And $5 a month, well, you know, that might either get rolled into the monthly plan or it's just a small addition onto that. So I think it's pretty clever. They seem to have learned from the Spotify business model. Which is a what? tremendous success. I mean, you know, yeah, we're seeing it over here. You know, t- t- again, it's ten dollars a month. I think, isn't it, for premium access? You get you mm-hmm. know, completely uncontrolled access to it, and and on three devices as well, which is just great. So yeah, I think they have learned from that. And and I'm I'm used to it, but my you know I I don't get why a person under the age of 20 is carrying a bald but someone said to me the other day well remember your grandparents didn't understand rock and roll 
<laughs> but but you kind of think it's the other way around, wouldn't you? Like I remember us discussing six months or so ago when they, when Microsoft Kin was it was killed. So they come yeah. up with this sort of consumer focused, kid focused phone, and then killed it before it even went live in the UK. Um, and and I could kind of say we couldn't understand that as you know um as kind of leaders early adopters whatever you know we have our iphones we have our androids we could look down on that and say why ever would you buy kind of a dumb you know kiddie phone like that but what i don't get is we're kind of looking at kids and saying why are you buying an executive business focused phone that's the kind of strange thing is that it all seems the wrong way around is that you why would you know kids and teenagers and young adults buy a business focused phone that's, that's a strange thing but it's see, so so I do agree. I think Rim have learned a lesson, and Rim have learned a lesson, and that is, we cannot keep up on the cool phones. Every touchscreen phone we've done has been an unmitigated disaster. We don't have the screen size to really keep the business people happy. So instead of trying to keep with the Joneses in the device market, let's go back and look at the service, and and that's where this might actually pay dividends for them. Is give up on the devices. Look at the services you can bundle in and see if you can't rescue your tailspin that way. But I think the market's pretty small. I think that's the problem they've got is with so many people fleeing the service, no one's going to go back to get 50 songs for five bucks a month. It doesn't matter how old you are. And to bring it back to Lotus for a moment, Cathy, um, I'm guessing you probably can't talk about sponsors that are signed up for Lotusphere yet, but it's going to be interesting to, to see how that maps out. You know, some of the big sponsors of Lotusphere in previous years has been, you know, Nokia, Rim, um, you know, have been a very big part of the Lotusphere experience, you know, in terms of a space on the on the showcase and so on. It's going to be interesting seeing where those vendors are this year. You know, Rim have had some struggles, Playbook this time last year at Lotusphere seemed to be a massive thing. It hasn't really taken off. Nokia are going through this massive transition where they've lost so much market share and are just launching their Microsoft Windows phones now. So it's it's all really in a mix, isn't it? Yeah, and we try to really be kind of vendor neutral when it comes to developing our software. So you'll see us on Android, you'll see us on Apple, you'll see us on RIM, you know, you'll see us on Windows devices. We really want to have our software available on the device the person wants. So as the market evolves, we'll be there. So you won't see it on Microsoft phones. <laughs> That's one. Well, maybe, maybe Volker, Vol- Volker likes likes it now. Yeah, and, and I think people that have used it do like it. It's just it's not had the success that you would expect. And actually, I think it, kudos to IBM in some ways. If we went back to two years ago, um, I was kind of quite critical in some areas of the fact that you didn't kind of jump on the iPhone as early as maybe you could have done, although I think you, you got up to speed very quickly. Android, again, seemed a little bit late. But but that stance of saying just we're vendor neutral, we'll see that where the market goes, we'll see what requests we get from customers, and we will then build the right solutions for it. Actually, if you look at it where we are now, it's looking like a pretty uh, good stance to have. And, and I think you're getting a lot of um, good analyst reports and so on coming out in terms of where IBM stances around mobile and how important it is looking forward. Absolutely. And and we're, you know, starting designing to mobile devices first on our a lot of our new products as far as, you know, looking at the mobile interface before we look at the desktop. So mobile is definitely as you know we talked about earlier, one of the big shifts and changes coming is people want to be able to work from wherever they are. Mobile is critical to social and critical to the way business is transforming. And on that subject, actually, there was a report came out today. It was on Read White Web, I think, in terms of one in three young workers prioritises social media now and media and sorry, mobile device freedom above salary when they look at a new job. Did you see that, Kathy? I hadn't seen it yet. I'll have to go look at that. 
That's, that, that's interesting, but we're seeing that too. I've actually been guest lecturing at a lot of universities, and when I talk about social business, they kind of look at me with the, yeah, that's what we would expect when we enter the workforce, uh, versus when you speak to an older crowd, you know, this is a new concept, but the students are all about it, and, you know, they expect it when they enter the workplace. So that's going to transform the business world as they move in. Um, that's one thing I didn't mention on Lotusphere either. We'll have the students back this year and even from more universities. So that, that coming generation uh, who is so dependent on their mobile devices wants social in the workplace. I could see where they might prioritize that ahead of salary as far as wanting to be able to work the way they want to work. Uh, okay, yeah, this, this, this is where I'm going to argue, because I, I used to be young and idealistic, now I'm old and idealistic. <laughs> um, but, but yes, I could see, if someone asked me when I was, let's say, 20, would you prefer freedom over salary? I would have said salary. Now, my first student loan payment comes, my first new car payment comes, and my first apartment rent payment comes. My conversation changes radically the second week of my employment. $20,000 does not go very far. $40,000, unfortunately, does not go very far. So I think if you would ask these guys five, ten years in from now, you would have a bit of a radically different answer. But I think it does give you a good indication of, of where that company's kind of attitudes lie, doesn't it? Uh, in that if you do join an organisation that has, you know, lockdown firewalls, you know, no access to Twitter and Facebook, you know, you're given a five-year-old Nokia, you know, dumb phone versus, you know, going to a company where they are forward-looking and forward-thinking and adopting social business and giving you, you know, your choice of Android or iPhone or whatever. That gives a completely different attitude around the company. And I think, uh, you know, if I'm sure if it's... You know, twenty versus thirty thousand dollars, you would go with the more money. But if it's just a small ingredient, then I'm sure that it does factor into the decision you're making. But how, how do you find that out? This is my question: Is so when I'm sat in an interview and then the interviewer asks me as the interviewee, "Do you have any questions for me?" Is that the questions that the twenty-somethings are asking now? They actually are. So I was gonna, I was gonna chime in that um, out on the GovLoop website, and that's where um, government. Uh, employees talk. They've actually had a running discussion on the millennial generation and how they interact socially with their devices. And they've had discussions about, you know, how how does someone who's not involved in the social technology manage or even uh, handle a millennial coming in who's grown up with the technology? So I think it's definitely impacting the, the way the way the younger generation looks at jobs and looks at companies. I'm sure it would, and I'm sure we'll see more of these kind of studies over time. The link's in the show notes, so if you want to read up on that, um, then then please do. Uh, we, we need to move on. Uh, we're running out of time, so we'll move on to our tips and also how people get hold of you uh, on Twitter or your LinkedIn and so on. Darren, I know you've got a hard finish in a few minutes, so do you want to kick us off and also tell us how people find you? Uh, yep. Yeah, um, so I do a lot of flying, unfortunately, but Delta have got this new iPhone app that actually tells me when I'm going to land, because I honestly have no idea what time these flights land. I've got to do some like mental arithmetic on the phone, on, on the plane. So it's it's very good. If you do a lot of traveling, whatever your airlines are, go download the app, because they're all pretty much the same, but they're all very good. Um, tip number two, if you have an iPhone 4 and you have not yet upgraded to iOS 5, at least on Verizon, don't upgrade. It turns your nice, shiny iPhone into a battery-brutal Android in in 20 <laughs> minutes or less. 
I mean, it is insane to the fact where actually yesterday, I think Mitch post tweeted um, that the, there's going to be a software update that's supposedly going to fix it. Now, uh, in, in extra to that, that tip, not only don't do it, but if you have done it, um, go in and turn off synchronization of reminders uh, because apparently that can drain the battery and also cause a lot of errors on Traveler. And it's on by default when you upgrade the phone to iOS. And that seems to have made a bit of difference to me. And then tip number three is I was first with a tip again. Yay, me, I'm great. <laughs> and how do people find you, Darren? blog.darrenduke.net and Twitter is Darren Duke, all one word for my rants about, I can't remember what I'm ranting about lately we have 140 character rants <laughs> Awesome, thank you, if you need to drop off do Brilliant, thank you Darren and uh, Kathy, uh, what's your tip? And I want to thank Darren on tip number two because I for once was not an early adopter and I hadn't gotten around to since I've been traveling the last few weeks upgrading to iOS 5 but was thinking about it. So now I think I'll wait. <laughs> I have to say mine's been fine. We're part of the developer okay. program and we've been working through all the betas and we haven't seen it. I think there's, there's also a thing to turn off uh, automatic time zone detection as well in your location settings. So there's a number of ways of, of tidying it up. They also, they've just dropped the the new fix pack uh, to developers as well. So I think there will be an updated version of iOS 5 as well if you do wait, wait a week or so. And back to the teenager discussion, my two teenagers just got brand new uh, iPhones. So they, they have better phones than I do now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as my tip, I, I really want to encourage everybody, the deadline for abstracts is November 6th. So if you're planning on submitting, get your act together in the next few days, get your abstract in. And as I mentioned earlier, a tip on having a better shot at getting selected is do share customer stories and real life examples. In your presentation, those are going to have you know higher prioritization, so I'll encourage that. And if you don't want to speak but you do want to attend, act now to register. Um, there's great savings with the early bird savings. We have alumni packages. We have multiple people coming from the same organization discounts. But those go away the closer we get to the conference. So if you're going to come, go ahead and register now. Excellent. Great advice. Thank you. And, and yeah, the abstracts, as you say, close in just a couple of days. I'm sure there'll be a, a last minute deluge of abstracts. There usually is. I'm trying to control myself this year, Kathy, <laughs> and not put in those last minute ones because my last minute abstract last year cost about 100 hours of work. So oh, better not do it this time. And David, what's your tip? My tip is to please um, register and participate in our jam next week at the W3C. And you can get there by going to w3c.org and looking at their upcoming events and finding the webpage to register. Okay, great. And as I say, the link's in the show notes. You also gave advice on how to find that earlier on. So thank you for that. So it runs November the 8th until the 10th for those that want to take part. Um, my tip is a, a Lotusphere one. Um, Lotusphere... If, at least if you look at the agenda starts kind of formally at about you know six o'clock on sunday when you go to the party outside the dolphin or between the dolphin and the swan um I don't travel in on the Sunday. If you can possibly help it, travel in on the Saturday or even the Friday because there is so much stuff going on at Lotusphere that isn't on the formal agenda. Particularly Saturday, there is the um, the BALD event, uh, B-A-L-D event, which takes place on the boardwalk, uh, which is basically the bloggers and, and Lotusphere uh, sort of attendees dinner that takes place on the boardwalk. There's also um, the ESPN party in the evening. Uh, there's also a golf event. If, if you're a golfer, um, you can get an invite from your IBM rep if you're interested in attending that so there's loads of stuff going going on on the saturday so make those feel into a longer event than just the four days on the agenda okay um let's quickly go around the table then kathy how do people find you if they want to follow you 
So on Twitter, at Kat Mandelstein, and if you go to About Me, Kat Mandelstein, you can find all the other social networks I'm on as well. Excellent. You're nearly as many as I am. <laughs> How do you fit it into your day? Isn't that the question you get from most people, I should, should imagine, particularly at the level you're at? I, I, I should imagine you speak to a lot of business people and they say, how do you get time to do all that stuff? It's really integrating it into the way you work and live. Just you know, thinking about how you're using social to determine where you're going to go to dinner, what you're going to do, when you read interesting articles like you did on the Read Write Web, post it out there, you know, when you have a few minutes between meetings or when you don't need to participate at a certain point in a meeting, those type of things as well too. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks for taking part today, Kathy. And David, how do people follow you? Um, well, you can find me, I blog on GovLoop website. I'm also blogging on the Open Social Foundation website frequently. Um, and um, you can find me on Twitter at, at if it flies. And also, if you're interested in mail, I'm on uh, Gmail, drobin1437. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thanks for taking part today. It was really interesting um, to the content on W3C Jam, something I certainly wasn't aware of. So thanks for bringing that to us all. Thank you. Brilliant. And so uh, that was This Week in Lotus. I hope you enjoyed and um, you know, we'll follow along uh, through the next week or so some of these activities that are going on. But until next week, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. I am loving these these job titles on the on the social business jam. Docs, Doc Searles, well known blogger. I'm going to go and change my business card to Darren Duke, not well known blogger. <laughs> yeah, an ignorant, ignorant podcaster, I guess. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs>